and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Today's show is packed with info. The last two weeks, we've had fantastic interviews with people in the industry, and we have lots more coming. But this week, our staff wanted to get back to sharing some great tips to help you in your quilting journey. On today's show, we're sharing 10 tips for choosing fabric. Picking fabrics and colors that look good together can sometimes be hard, so these tips will hopefully make the process easier. We're also sharing a few inspiring stories of quilters making a difference in their communities, tips for making flying geese units, some products we're loving, and tips for keeping your UFO list from getting longer. And just a quick reminder, most of our staff is still working from home, so a lot of this podcast was recorded over the phone, so the audio quality isn't perfect. But thanks for understanding. Now let's dive in. When we ask quilters what they struggle with most, choosing fabric is always toward the top of the list. I'm here with Allison Gam to chat about choosing fabric. She is the designer of Quilts and More magazine and our fabric guru in the office, so she has 10 great tips to share with us. First, let's talk about inspiration. Inspiration is everywhere, but I have some specific suggestions for places to look to help get you started. First, start with a photo that you love, whether it's one you've taken or one you've seen online. I have a specific folder on my phone dedicated to color palettes. It's filled with screenshots from all over the place, from other quilts to advertisements to artwork. If you find yourself being drawn to a particular image because of the color palette, why not try pulling together fabrics that are similar? Great tip. So a lot of times I find myself really attracted to pictures of like rooms and decor magazines or like clothing items or outfits in store catalogs. Um, and many times the things I'm attracted to in those photos are the colors and the textures coming together. So just good to remember that if your eyes and your brain are attracted to an image, it's a good bet that the colors in that image blend really well together and will look gorgeous together. Tip number two for choosing fabrics is to use a multicolor fabric print. Whether you plan to use this particular print in your quilt or simply use it for color inspiration, it's a great way to get started. When the fabric was created, the designer already did the work of creating a color palette for you. So go ahead and use the colors from that fabric to pull a palette of your own. This is such a good idea. So when you think of those like gorgeous, large scale, like prints or florals that are really popular right now, they're full of those beautiful colors that all play well together and like a single piece of fabric. So if you're using that multicolor print as inspiration, it can be a fun way to pull together like a color palette you know will blend together in a quilt. So another tip related to multicolor prints is to look at the selvage of the fabric. 
If you aren't familiar with fabric selvage, take a look along the bottom edge of your fabric. You'll usually see the name of the fabric line, the fabric designer's name, and some colored dots. The colored dots are each individual ink color used in the fabric printing process. If the fabric has more than one color, you'll see the color dots, which you can use to help pull together a palette. I find this to be really helpful when you're shopping for fabric in a store. So I know that like some of my fat quarters or my cut yardage don't always have the color dots in the selvage, but especially when I'm shopping for fabric in a store, like using those dots in the selvage of a bolt of fabric can really help you pull together matching colors. So my last tip when it comes to inspiration is to dive into color theory. You might remember learning about color theory when you were in school, and that theory hasn't changed no matter how long ago you learned it. So there are a lot of great resources for learning color theory, including using a color wheel and reading a plethora of books on the topic. Color theory is a very specific way of learning about color, but if you need a little help getting started, this can be an excellent resource. Good to know. I've I've not dived much into color theory myself, but I bet even a little reading on the subject for those book learners out there would make a huge impact. Allison, you're Mm -hmm. a graphic designer. Did you have to take a color theory class? Yeah, I still have some college textbooks all about color. (laughs) So this is why you're so good at choosing fabrics. (laughs) So once you've figured out a color palette you want to use, think about the scale of the prints in your project. In order to create a nice visual push and pull, it's great to have a range of large, medium, and small prints. This will just add nice texture to your quilt. And I have to admit, I tend to gravitate towards small prints, so I have to make a conscious effort to add larger prints to my stash. That way I have a nice balance of scale. Yeah, and I struggled with the same thing. Um, I found, though, like if you're somebody that doesn't love big prints, like I, I don't love big prints, um, that e- like when I'm making a quilt with mostly small prints or tone on tones, even something as simple as like a small stripe or a small floral really stands out and it provides that visual interest without, you know, needing that huge print in your quilt. Um, and of course, I think there are a few exceptions to this rule that we just wanted to point out. So obviously, if you're using all solids in your quilts, um, color choice is more important and you don't have to factor in <laughs> size of prints. <laughs> Um, and also if you're making quilts with like teeny tiny pieces, uh, we always recommend you use small scale prints cause that really helps you control the colors and the prints that are showing up on your blocks a lot more. Yeah, definitely. Cause cutting up a large print can be tricky with those small pieces. Yep. So tip number six is all about contrast. Contrast when it comes to fabric means having a mix of light, medium, and dark prints. The best way to easily see if you have enough contrast is to take a picture of your fabric selection on your phone and change it to black and white. This allows you to see the contrast variations without being distracted by the colors themselves. Contrast is so important. Like if all of your fabrics are the same in contrast, you really will get a quilt design that looks undefined or mushy. And Allison pointed out like taking a black and white photo, but there is a great tool called the Ruby Ruler too um, that lets you look at fabrics through this like red filter so that you can see the values more easily. So you can find this product in your local quilt shop or, you know, another red filter product. Mm -hmm. So once you've selected your fabrics, taking scale and contrast into consideration, 
think about where each of those fabrics will be placed in the pattern. Color and fabric placement can make a huge difference when it comes to assembling your quilt. In Quilts and More, we have a recurring story called One Block, Three Ways. This is where we take one block, use three different fabric lines and color placements to show how much you can change up a look of a pattern simply by where you decide to place each fabric. So you can do something similar by using computer programs such as Electric Quilt, typically referred to as EQ, which is a design program that allows you to mock up your pattern and fabric placement. Some patterns also come with coloring pages where you can color in different options for color placement. So this is one of my favorite parts about quilt alongs and also your one block three ways in quilts and more. Just seeing everyone's patterns made in different colorways is so inspiring. And so many times I see like a pattern will have a secondary design that you can highlight with your color placement. So it's really fun to think about where your colors are going and what part of the quilt design that's going to bring forward. If you're still feeling unsure about color placement, consider making a test block. Make sure you have enough extra fabric before you do this. That way you don't run out when you make your actual quilt. If you don't end up using the test block in your quilt, you can always set it aside and practice quilting on that block later. Great idea. And also making a test block has the advantage of you know, like identifying any problems in your cutting or your seam allowance or, you know, even the pattern instructions itself before you get started. So if your block doesn't turn out the same size as stated in their pattern or you don't love the colors together, you just make adjustments before you get crazy and make the quilt. <laughs> Tip number nine is to have a go-to color palette. I am naturally drawn to the combination of teal, aqua, lime green, and gray. If I'm ever feeling stuck and unsure of what fabrics to pull, I just always start with this palette. If you have colors you're always drawn to, there's no shame in pulling it frequently. I have many quilts made in this palette. So after all, if you're making the project for yourself, why not use your favorite color combination? You can always try adding in one new color or swapping one out if you want to mix it up. Yeah, I think every quilter needs like their signature color palette. Um, and I know I've heard some quilters say that their palette is scrappy, which means it's all colors, <laughs> which I love. Um, my go-to is black, white, and yellow. And then um, I'll expand from there. So my last tip, and perhaps my favorite, is to simply play around and just have fun. Sometimes I'll go to my stash and start pulling fabrics together without having any project in mind. I'll take photos along the way so that if I do find something I like, I can remember it. Usually I just end up putting all the fabrics away and not sewing with them, but it can be a great exercise for trying out new palettes. I love it. It's like a fun rainy day activity. And of course, what quilter doesn't love an excuse to play with their fabric. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope these tips for choosing fabrics has been really helpful and inspiring. And just remember that there really are no rules. These tips can help you find palettes and combinations that work best for you. If you like the fabric that you've selected, that's really all that matters. Exactly. So we're so excited to share all these tips about choosing a color palette because this week's Sweet Quilty Home Challenge is to assemble a color palette based on inspiration from your home, yard, or neighborhood. 
So for those of you who don't know, our Sweet Quilty Home Challenge is something we're hosting on the podcast and social media. This challenge lasts 10 weeks this summer. It started on July 6th. And this program focuses on creating your best home, a beautiful place to relax and be creative. So each week we issue a challenge, just one small step you can take throughout the week to brighten your home and set your space up for sewing success. If you participate, you can use the hashtag SweetQuiltyHome on Instagram. You can also visit our show notes for a link to the Sweet Quilty Home page on our website, where we'll list details of each week's challenge and a lot of helpful content and videos. All of the podcast episodes these 10 weeks are coordinating with the week's challenge, so keep listening in. We're going to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. When we come back, Allison will be sharing inspiring stories about quilters making a difference in their communities. We are back with Allison for Quilting Changes Everything, a segment where we share inspiring stories of quilters making a difference in their communities. Take it away, Allison. If there's one silver lining to this pandemic, it's the fact that more and more people have purchased sewing machines with the goal of making masks. But now that they own machines, they're looking for more sewing projects. Alethea Montgomery, a sewing teacher in Duluth, Minnesota, has been teaching preteens and teens how to sew since 2018. This summer, she's more determined than ever to teach students the basics of sewing. I'm hoping to host more workshops this summer in case we have to go back into lockdown. I want them to have the basic skills, said Alethea. That gives them something creative and constructive that they can do all on their own. On a typical day, the sewing studio has six students per class, but she's had to adjust due to reopening restrictions. She now has three students per class and has asked students to bring their own supplies to avoid the spread of germs. Alethea has been sewing for many years and decided to pass on her love of sewing to a new generation. When it comes to teaching kids to sew, she said, it fit perfectly with my interests, kids, education, and creativity. And it's the pieces of being an elementary teacher that we just don't have time for in our day. We just don't get to do these fun, open-ended, hands-on projects during our teaching days. Though her classes focus mostly on kids between 8 and 11 years old, she's always welcoming of anyone who wants to learn, no matter their age. She first starts out by teaching her students how to operate the machines, sew in a straight line, and more. A lot of her students are interested in making stuffed animals, which is great, but she also wants to make sure that they know how to sew more practical objects, such as bags, pillows, mittens, etc. It's fun to teach them how these items are constructed, Alethea said. These days, students are learning to make masks in addition to other objects. A mother of one of the students said, we're very happy that we have a machine in our house so we can make masks whenever we want. Alethea is thrilled that she was able to open up her business, even at half capacity, so she can get back to teaching. She said, after all, it's a good chance for students to practice their math skills in a practical setting and develop their reading comprehension by following directions, which is something they could use right now. We have one more story from Allison. As restaurants and businesses have started opening up across the country, protective measures are being put into place. Many businesses have started requiring masks, offering sanitizer, 
and some restaurants are even putting up physical barriers between tables. A restaurant in Mazomani, Wisconsin is putting a fun twist on those barriers. Rather than hanging shower curtains or plexiglass partitions, they've decided to hang quilts. Many staff members at the old feed mill have brought in their own quilts to hang up in the restaurant. Samantha Atkinson, a staff member, said, It just kind of adds to the whole ambiance of a beautiful place already. It's just a little more intimate for people and private. These quilt pieces have also become talking points for customers. Oftentimes, the staff waiting on the tables are the ones who made the quilts hanging near them, which allows for fun and engaging conversations between the customers and staff. The quilts not only offer protection and barriers during the pandemic, they also bring comfort and a handmade touch. Nancy Vist, the owner of the restaurant, said, The quilts surround them with love and comfort, and I think that's something everyone needs right now. Nancy wants all of her guests to feel welcomed and safe in her business. When talking about the quilts, Samantha added, They all have a part of you when you're done. Whether it's a time in your life or whether it's something that's happening right now, for instance, we'll remember this for years to come. Now I'm here with Joanna Bergerino for Back to Basics, a segment where we share tips and tricks about a sewing tool or a technique. So what are we talking about today, Joanna? Today, I'm going to share with you two of my favorite tips for flying geese units. Flying geese are probably one of the most popular quilt block units, especially if you make a lot of star blocks. I still remember making them for the first time and it took a few tries before I was really happy with my results. Even if you've made them a few times, these tips will help you get consistent, accurate results. Well, I'm super excited to hear your tips, Joanna, because um, as a quilter, you really can't avoid flying geese units. And they're <laughs> That's true. not my favorite to make. And in fact, like one of my longest UFOs I have is sitting unfinished because I have to make hundreds of flying geese units and... I just don't want to do it, so I'm oh, excited no. to hear your tips, and maybe I'll feel inspired. The first tip is specifically the stitch and flip method, in which you mark diagonal lines on the back of two squares, align the squares on the short edges of your rectangle, stitch on the line, trim to have a quarter-inch seam allowance, and then flip open the piece you just attached. Many patterns call for flying geese to be made this way because you don't have to deal with any biased edges of cut triangles. My tip is to carefully mark the diagonal line on the squares using a thin pencil and follow it as closely as possible as you stitch. If your angle isn't 45 degrees, your pieces won't line up as well. Also, after you have sewn on the line, don't trim right away. I know that's what you're probably gonna want to do. Instead, Press the attached square, then fold it over to make sure you're happy with how the resulting triangle covers the rectangle underneath. If it looks good, trim the quarter inch seam allowance by either unfolding it and trimming with a rotary cutter or carefully cutting the layers behind the attached triangle with scissors. That's what I usually do. It takes a little extra time, but I find it's really helpful because you can check the fit after you've pressed the unit it ends up looking just like it will in your block. It's especially helpful if you find you press open your triangle, but its corners don't line up right with the rectangle. Bonus tip, if that happens a lot, try a scant seam, which would mean you would sew a few threads left or right of the drawn diagonal line. Great tip. 
Another tip I always use is I start sewing on the diagonal line from the top of the flying geese unit, so the corner that's in the center of the rectangle. I just always find that if I start sewing at the place where the corners from the square and the rectangle come together, my machine always eats the corners, and then you don't get that like crisp sewing line. So start from the middle. <laughs> That's a great tip, Lindsay. I like to do that myself. The second tip is for when you join a flying geese unit to another piece. It's so frustrating when you have a beautiful flying geese unit, but you lose that sharp point on it when you piece it to the rest of the block. Whenever possible, layer your units so that the piece on top is the flying geese unit. That way you can see what you're doing and you can see the point as you're sewing the seam. When you get to the flying geese point, try to sew a few threads to the right of the point. If you hit the intersection exactly, you'll lose that point when you press the pieces. But if you're a few threads off, when you press it open, you should have a nice point. That's what I have today for flying geese. Just remember, practice makes perfect, and the more flying geese you make, the easier they become. Thanks so much, Joanna. We'll be back after this quick ad break. Now we're moving on to what we're loving, a segment where we share some products, books, or people we're loving right now. Sometimes you just need a little creative project to work on between sewing larger quilts. So today we're sharing some fun projects you can get shipped right to your house. The first product is the Modern Makes monthly subscription box. So you get a modern mini quilt kit delivered to your door each month, and each box comes with everything you need to make their pattern, including the fabric and the batting. What I love is that you also have the option of adding on supplies to each box to turn the mini into a pillow cover or to try hand quilting on it. So this means you can really customize each box for the project or technique you want to try. In the box we ordered, it also came with a cute little packet of tea, which was such a special surprise. The next product we wanted to share is a barn quilt kit from Tweedledee Designs. So this DIY kit comes with a pattern, a ready to paint 12 inch square wood board, painting instructions, and also the history of the barn quilt block. There are so many blocks available, so you can pick the one that really resonates with you. So you can paint it or stain it in whatever colors or styles you like. The kit doesn't come with the paint or stain, so you'll have to find that on your own. But it's such a fun summer project, and I think this would just be great for either displaying inside, in your sewing room, or even for a little garden shed if you had one. One last product to share is perfect for anyone entertaining kids or grandkids, or if anyone's doing homeschooling in the fall. It's called Quilt Cadets, and it's a program from Latifa Safir. So you choose one of these kid-friendly patterns, and then you can visit the grown-ups only website for tips for teaching the little ones. So each project earns the child a variety of merit badges, and you can purchase those online. And the kids can also visit the clubhouse to share their projects and watch fun videos. I think this is such a great way to teach ki kids a new skill. And my favorite part is that the Quilt Cadets mascots are called 
feed dogs. <laughs> so we'll link to these products in our show notes so that you can see more details or purchase them if you'd like. Now I'm going to jump into our UFO challenge segment where we address common finishing problems so that you can complete your UFOs. Today, I want to talk about a habit that can be the cause of an unfinishable amount of UFOs, and that is spending a lot of time on social media. Since the pandemic hit, many of us, me included, (laughs) have been spending more and more time on our phones, we're browsing Pinterest, we're following new people on Instagram or joining Facebook groups so that we can feel connected to quilters because we're not getting to see our people in person. Social media is a great tool for connecting with other quilters and for sharing your love of the craft, but it can also quickly turn into an overwhelming place where we're constantly bombarded with new patterns and fabric and quilt-alongs. And this can make our to-do list and our UFO pile grow larger by the day. So I totally have been in this position, especially the last few months. I've pinned a bunch of quilts I love to my Pinterest boards. And, you know, I pulled fabric for a few of them. Or I've seen a new pattern release from someone I follow on Instagram. And I start cutting the fabric for it. And all of a sudden, I have too many projects and not enough time. And if you're like me, your UFO list was already a little too big before the pandemic hit. After a while, the excitement of the new pattern or the new project, it wears off and you're left with a mess in your sewing room and a big pile of projects you'll eventually finish someday, right? (laughs) So we have a few tips to share to stop social media from adding to your UFO list. So if your current UFO list is very long, try rewarding a finish with a new pattern. So when you finally cross something off your UFO list, you can start a new project. This is very motivating for some people who love to start projects, but not necessarily finish them. So this just helps ensure that your UFO list isn't getting longer. It's staying the same size. (laughs) Here's another tip. Instead of purchasing patterns or fabrics for a project you saw on social media right away, save it for later. If you can't stop thinking about the project or are still very committed to it a few weeks or even a month later, then you can go ahead and purchase the supplies. Sometimes we get caught up in the excitement of seeing something we love on social media, especially if it's like a pattern sale or a quilt along with a set schedule or, you know, a social media post that has a lot of comments and likes. But if you give yourself a little time away from that initial excitement, you may find that it's a pattern you don't really love or have time for. Our last tip, manage your notifications. So I belong to many quilting Facebook groups, and sometimes my entire newsfeed is full of beautiful projects. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but if you're having a hard time resisting the call for these new projects, uh, you can update the notifications of the the Facebook group so that you only see the contents, the posts from that group when you visit the group specifically and the posts don't show up in your regular feed. So that just may be a solution for you. 
at the end of the day, you should do whatever you feel passionate about and what makes you happy. But if you're struggling with the pressure social media puts on you to start new projects, we hope these tips help. Before we leave today, I wanted to share a fun opportunity for all our podcast listeners. At the end of August, we're doing a podcast show about how quilting brings us joy. We'd love to hear a story about how quilting brings joy to your life so we can share it on the podcast. If you'd like to share, you can email us your story or a voice memo at apqpodcast at meredith.com. You can also call and leave us a voicemail at 515-257-6870. Have a great week! and thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.